Alexa here, and welcome back to Murder in the Mountains. This week's co-host is Tori. Hello. <laughs> We've been having some technical difficulties, so just bear with us here. Um, it's been it's been a thing. So, mm-hmm. but it's good. We're gonna make it all better. Here we go. Yes. So this week's case was a suggestion from Instagram. And it is our first case outside the United States. Uh, This week's case takes place in Australia. And I do want to give a warning that this case is very gruesome. So listen at your own risk. Tori does not have a choice, but everybody else does. But it's okay because all the scary and gruesome stuff. I love it. We love to hear it. Perfect. Uh, There's two kinds of people. There's Tories and then everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is the case. So Catherine Mary Knight was born on October 24th, 1955 in Tinterfield, Australia. Her mother, Barbara, was a married mother of four boys, but was having an affair with a man named Ken Knight when she got pregnant with his twin daughters. I have a question, though. Okay. So Catherine was one of two of of twins. She was one of two twins is what you're saying. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, After the birth of their twins, Barbara and Ken began living together, and by all accounts, Ken was an absolute monster. He reportedly raped Barbara sometimes 10 times a day in front of the children. So she just, so she took her four boys with her and then had twins by Ken. Yes. And they all had to bear witness to her being raped all the time. Yes. And according to one account... Uh, Catherine told her mom, like, this guy, you know, kind of pressured me to do something I didn't want to do, you know, sexually. And she was like, just suck it up. Stop complaining and do it. I guess because she was just so used to like that behavior that, you know, she expected nothing. You know what I mean? Like she was just used to it. Yeah. And she expected you would think that she would want better for her daughter or even be more scared for her daughter to go through something like that. But maybe it was just normal to her at that point. Yeah. And Catherine also claimed that she was sexually abused by various family members until she was 11. Reportedly not her father, but other various family members. I wonder if they were like kin to her dad or kin to her mom you know what I mean like is this like a family thing for kins um kin 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 yeah kin were they kin to kin okay anyway (laughs) as a result of the abuse at home Catherine became known as a bully at school she dropped out of school at age 15 but barely knew how to read or write which I don't know how she got so far but 15 is pretty old to just not be able to read or write. That's crazy. But I mean, this is in Australia and I don't know how things go in Australia, but you know, here I've heard of like teachers passing kids along because they don't want to deal with them anymore. And especially because she was a bully and like just a bad kid. I can imagine that they wouldn't want to deal with her. You know what I mean? Like just pass her along just because. Yep. So Catherine then got a job at a clothing factory where she worked for a year before landing what she called her dream job at a slaughterhouse where her job was to remove the internal organs out of animals. This was 16-year-old Catherine's dream job. Killer Kathy out here slaughtering animals at 16. Love to see it. 
Like, how do you even go up from there? You know, you're 16 (laughs) and you land your dream job. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing else to do in life. She's accomplished it all. Yeah. So she was so proud of her job that she hung her first set of butcher knives over her bed. Because you never know when those are going to come in handy. Like a little trophy, you know what I mean? Uh, when I first got um, certified as a profit expert, as we call it, um, I like had this little, I had a certificate that I hung over my bed because I was proud of it. So I can relate to Kathy. <laughs> I love how you're calling her Kathy. Like you're on a nickname <laughs> basis with her. I don't even think she went by Kathy. <laughs> I'm towards like, oh, Kathy. <laughs> Anytime someone is named Catherine, their nickname should absolutely be Kathy, but whatever. Yeah. Or okay. Kate. My friend Kate, her real name is Catherine. I call her Kathy all the time. <laughs> As you're the <laughs> only one, probably. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, there's Tori and then there's everybody else, but it's fine. Like that'd be like me calling you Vicky. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So while working in the butcher shop, Catherine met a man named David Kellett. He was an angry alcoholic, but when it's love, it's love. Yeah, baby, the heart wants what it wants. In 1974, at the age of 21, David and Catherine got married. And while most families are joyous on wedding days, Catherine's mom, Barbara, warned David about her daughter's temper and told him that she had a screw loose somewhere. And like, don't mess with her because she'll effing kill you. And I love how it's like on their wedding day. Like she, she couldn't have brought it up sooner that her daughter is a crazy mess. She had to bring it up on their wedding day. Yeah. And no give backsies. She's your problem now for better (laughs) or worse. Right. Like take her. We don't want her back. We appreciate you taking her off our hands. But uh, just to let you know. You know, you should sleep with one eye open. Yeah. And that became quickly apparent when on their wedding night, the newlyweds had already consummated their marriage three times when David fell asleep. And she's like, hello, the audacity. I'm ready for round four. Right. Yeah. How dare you fall asleep right now? Yeah. (laughs) And David was tired and wasn't interested. So like any logical person. Catherine started to strangle him. Oh, yeah, duh. Give me the sex or else, dude. Yeah. Strangling you. Okay, great. Amazing. He woke up and was able to fend her off, but he did not divorce her. He decided, you know, let's just stick it out. It'll be fine. Well, I mean, it is their first, like their wedding night. Like it, they they just got married and she's just strangling him. I, I like in his mind, he's probably like. Maybe she's just wedding day jitters and she's just, you know, had a really long day. And <laughs> and I'll never say no again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Ah, that's crazy. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So after this wonderful start to the marriage, um, it was not surprising that the relationship was not functional. On one occasion, a very pregnant Catherine burned all of David's clothing and shoes before hitting him in the back of the head with a frying pan. He arrived home late from a darts competition after reaching the finals. What year is this? This is like 1974-ish is when they got married and it was sometime after that. I don't have an exact year. 
Oh my gosh. And she, and there's no way for him to like text her and be like, Hey, I'm going to come home late, whatever. Like it's 1970s. And I mean, he probably could have called her from the bar phone, but still, but still at the same time, what the heck, Kathy is just playing darts and she hit him in the head with the frying pan and burned all of his clothes. Yeah. Yeah. So she talked him into not pressing charges. He agreed, and he still stayed with her. I like how in the beginning of this story, I thought that Dave was going to be the crazy one because he was an angry alcoholic, you know? But at this point so far, it's crazy Kathy. Okay. Anyway. So David did not listen to his mother-in-law's advice, and he often cheated on Catherine. One time in particular, in May of 1976, He decided to leave Catherine and their daughter to be with his mistress. Uh Catherine did not take this very well. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared. (laughs) The next day, she was seen violently pushing her two-month-old daughter, Melissa Ann, down the street in a stroller, like just swerving, hitting things with the stroller while her baby was in it. Her two-month-old was just hitting trash cans on the street with her yeah. stroller. Yeah. Okay. She then took her baby out of the stroller and placed her on a railroad track, like an active railroad track, not like an abandoned railroad no! track. No! No! You're kidding me. Okay. All right. She then stole an axe and began swinging it at people and threatening people on the street. So, Okay. So she took she took her kid, laid it on the train track, and then just started swinging an axe at people. Like you're saying that this is all in like within the span of minutes that she was doing this. Yeah, like rampage. What the actual heck? Like she okay. So her kid is still on the train tracks, and she's just out here swinging axes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. And a train was approaching. No, no, no. Well. <sighs> Luckily, a man ran and saved Melissa Ann. Thank God. I thought that was about to be bad. Okay. Okay. So Catherine was arrested and taken to St. Elmo's Hospital where she was diagnosed with postpartum depression, but she checked herself out the next day. Oh, great. Lovely. She's like, I don't need this. I'm not depressed. I'm fine. And she was able to keep custody of her daughter. That's messed up. Messed up up (laughs) she just laid her kid on the train track and then is able to keep it after just saying she's fine she's like nope don't need this treatment i'm out of here elmo and then took her kid back okay that's great great um so a few days later she convinced a neighbor and her 16 year old daughter to give her a ride saying she needed to take her two-month-old daughter to the hospital for medical treatment however once inside the vehicle Catherine pulled a knife on the woman and her daughter and demanded that they take her to find her estranged husband in Queensland. So the husband is gone. Dave is gone. He let like left her and the kid for the mistress. He didn't just like leave for the night. He did. He was gone. At this point, he's been gone a few days. Okay. Okay. Now I get it. I thought he was just like gone for the night and she was like freaking out with her kid and everything. Put her on the train tracks, whatever. Now I understand that she was that upset because he left her like he's gone. Yeah. He like left her, left her. But the wife, but 
uh, Kathy knows where he's at. She knows that he's in Queensland, which okay. is not a small town, but I'm sure she'd figure it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So a struggle began with the cat with Catherine and the woman that she basically carjacked. And yeah. she ended up cutting the woman underneath her eye. The woman and her daughter were able to escape while getting gas and they called the police. But by the time the police arrived, Catherine had taken a young boy hostage in the gas station restroom and was holding a knife to him. What? Yes. So police were able to disarm her and she was taken into custody and sent to a psychiatric hospital. Yeah, you need to be there. Just a random boy in the gas station bathroom. Yep, because her other people had gotten away. So she needed a new way. Okay. So she told a nurse at the hospital that she was planning to kill the mechanic who fixed David's car because that allowed him to leave her. Oh, so we're going to just go blame the mechanic then. That just makes a whole lot of sense. Okay. It's like if his car was still broken, you know, he wouldn't be able to leave me. Oh, my. Okay. Got it. (laughs) She then told them that her plan was to go to Queensland and kill both her husband and his mother. So and his the, mother. Yeah. What does his mother have to do with this? I don't know. Unless she just did not like her. Okay. <laughs> All right. When the police told David this, what do you think he did? In my assumption, I would think that he just kind of understood because it's crazy. Kathy. And he was probably like, yeah, sounds about right. He left his mistress and went back to Catherine to support her. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Was not expecting that. So when Catherine was released a few months later in August, she was released into the care of her husband and mother-in-law. The two people (laughs) that she threatened to kill. Literally, what the heck? They were like, oh, she wants to kill us. Let's go take care of her. (laughs) Let's get as close as we possibly can. Yeah, no. No, the fact that she was holding a kid hostage in the bathroom, sliced to that lady's eye, put her kid on a train track. Like, this lady needs to be locked up. Like, she doesn't need to be just let go. She needs to be in the care of her, like, like, wannabe. Like the state? Be in the care of the state. <laughs> Do not leave. Yeah, no, she she doesn't need to be anywhere else but <laughs> behind bars at this point. So she ended up getting a job at another slaughterhouse and things were fine. You know, at another know. slaughterhouse. Uh, just go back to the slaughterhouse. Got it. Okay, yep. cool. In March of 1980, they had their second daughter, Natasha, together. And... 1984, she ended up leaving David for reasons unknown. I guess she was just tired of him. Cool. So so just like that, she's like, deuces, see you later. But just two years later in 1986, she met <sighs> another David. This time, David Saunders, who was a local minor. Only a few months into the relationship, he moved in with Catherine and her two daughters, but he did not sell his old apartment or move out of his old apartment. This made Catherine wonder why. Like, was he bringing other women over there? Was he cheating on her? I mean, he had to be, right? Because he had just another apartment hanging around. Mm -hmm. She would become jealous and kick him out, then beg him to come back over and over, and he would. Mm. In May of 1987, um, I'm going to go ahead and say trigger warning. 
feel free to skip 30 seconds, but not Tori. Okay. (laughs) In May of 1987, she ended up cutting the throat of David's eight-week-old puppy right in front of him as a warning of what would happen to him if he ever cheated on her. Oh, my God. This lady's crazy. Just out here killing dogs. An eight-week-old puppy. Like, he had to have just gotten that thing. We got (laughs) Huck when he was eight weeks old. Like, you have to be be heartless to kill an eight-week-old puppy. And she's just like, see this? This is what's going to happen to you if you ever cheat on me. Oh, my word. And did he leave her? No. (laughs) This is terrible. This is terrible. Okay. So instead of him leaving her, just a year later, she gave birth to their daughter, Sarah. Three kids now she's got? Yes, three daughters. Okay, great. Three daughters, two baby daddies. So as the family expanded, the couple bought a house, which Catherine very nicely decorated in a style that as an interior designer, I would call (laughs) psychopath chic. Okay, now... (laughs) In my professional opinion. So this (laughs) consisted of her decorating the house with animal skins, skulls, horns, rusty animal traps, leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks. No space, including the ceilings, were left uncovered. The first thing I picture is Cracker Barrel. (laughs) Like how they have things just on the wall and hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, that's what I picture. <laughs> Cracker Barrel, but with animal skins and biker gang material. <laughs> yeah, biker gang material. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you have rusty animal traps, and you have a newborn, and like young children, like they're gonna get tetanus, yeah, hepatitis. Who knows? Like, <laughs> this is not baby proofing. Kathy. No, not at all. That's like the opposite of baby birthing, actually. So becoming a mother again did not soften Catherine's cold heart. I no. wouldn't expect so. She's had two kids already. Like, there's yeah. no saving this lady. After one particular argument with David, she hit him in the head with an iron and stabbed him in the stomach with scissors. <gasps> she stabbed him in the stomach? Yeah. Okay. So he left and went into hiding and Catherine was unable to find him. Good. Good. But he eventually came back to see his daughter. He found out he was unable to see her or Catherine because Catherine had taken a protective order out on him. What? Okay. So with that relationship, basically like having run its course in 1990, Catherine began seeing a former co-workers of, co-worker of hers named John Chillingworth. They were together for a year before she had a son with him named Eric. Oh, my God. How many kids does this lady have? She just, like, gets with these men, abuses them, gets pregnant, keeps abusing them, and then just moves on. That is what it seems like. Their relationship lasted two more years with nothing super crazy, like notable happening before she cheated on John Chillingworth with another John. So David and David, and now it's John and John. So this guy's name was John Price. As we've touched on, like, don't freaking 
cheat on Catherine. Yeah. Don't but Catherine cheat on can cheat on you as she's done <laughs> multiple times. But like, don't you even think about cheating on her? She makes her own rules at this point. Like, I don't, <laughs> I can't even argue with Kathy at this point. It sounds like she's got her own set of rules. It's her world and they're just living in it. We're just living in it. Yeah, no way. <laughs> Okay. So John Price was a father of three and was divorced when him and Catherine began their relationship. His youngest child lived with his ex and his two other children lived with him. So Price was very well liked around town and was actually fully aware of Catherine's temper and violent reputation when he asked her to move in with him and the kids in 1995. Wow. 1995? Yeah, so we're just moving right along here in the timeline of her life. Okay, so he knows what she's been into. <laughs> she know he knows her past, and he's not afraid of it. The heart wants what it wants. That's right. So his kids liked her, and even though they had violent arguments, life just wasn't that bad. Three years later, Catherine was kind of mad that John hadn't proposed yet. Not only that, he refused to marry her. Mm. Okay. So in retaliation, Catherine videotaped a bunch of stuff around the house that John had stolen from his work and sent the tape to his boss. Oh, wow. The items that he had stolen were literally things like thrown away from his company. Like he recovered the stuff in the trash. Mm. Okay. But his boss still fired him after having worked there for 17 years. Wow. 17 years? Yeah. And this guy's just like, yeah, you're out of here. Like, Kathy's right. You're out here stealing shit. You don't deserve to work here. That makes, okay, perfect sense. So, obviously pissed, he kicks her out of the house. But just a few months later, he gets back together with her, but does not allow her to move back in. Okay. That makes sense to me. I mean, (laughs) at that point... At that point, though, I just wouldn't get back together with her. I love how I'm like trying to reason with them. Like at this point, I would have done none of this, but you're like, listen, um, Kathy, listen, John. Right. <laughs> you're like their it's mediator. Like the rela- yes. Yeah. The relationship therapist in me that wants to be like, you don't deserve to move back in. If he's going to take you back, then you don't deserve to move back in. Exactly. So in February 2000, their violent fights got increasingly worse and Catherine ended up stabbing him in the chest. He once again kicked her out of the house, but I'm guessing it's like one of those things where she didn't technically live with him, but was over there all the time. Yeah. Kind of things. So on February 29th of 2000, he stopped at the courthouse on his way to work to get an order of protection against her. He's like, you stabbed me. Yeah. So get yeah. on you for getting a court order. I, I I mean, I agree. I think that that was a good move. Nothing that any of the rest of them had done. So so he literally told coworkers that day, if I don't ever show, like if I ever don't show up to work, it's because Catherine killed me. Yeah, no joke. So his coworkers were like, um, so don't go back to your house. Like if you're worried about her killing you, maybe don't go home. Right. And he was like, but I'm worried she may kill the kids if I don't. Forgot about the kids. Okay. So when he returned home, he found out that Catherine had sent his kids to a friend's house for a sleepover. 
but Catherine herself was not at the house. So then he goes to a neighbor's house and hangs out until 11 p.m. and then return home. Catherine later returned to John's house that night while he was asleep. She watched a little TV, showered, and then woke John up to have sex, Mm. which I, I don't know. You have an order of protection against her. Like the whole time I'm saying why (laughs) it just goes back to why are you still in a relationship with somebody that you have an order of protection against? But anyway, go on. So after that, he went to sleep. Once he fell asleep, she began stabbing him with a knife. Blood evidence shows that he got out of bed and she continued to chase him and stab him. He was able to get out of the house, but she dragged him back in and continued stabbing. Overall, he was stabbed 37 times with wounds to all of his major organs. Ah. There was also a deep pool of blood that measured around three feet by six feet. Oh, my gosh. This lady. She's never killed anyone before. Like, she just killed this man. And for what? Like, literally for what? It was just, I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Stabbed him how many times? So he was stabbed 37 times. That's a, that's a lot of times. That is a lot of stabbing to do. She literally chased him around the house, like continuing to stab. You, you have to be really like messed up to be able to continue to do that. Even after someone's like running away from you, you're having to put like that much effort in to continue to stab them. You know what I mean? Like, that's a lot. And after John had been dead for an unknown amount of time, Catherine decided to skin his body. (gasps) No, no. Oh, my God. Skinned his body. I mean, she did work at a butcher shop in a slaughterhouse. So I guess it all makes sense in the end. But what the heck skinned his body? Okay. So she used her expertise from working in the slaughterhouse to skin him very precisely. She literally was able to skin him so precisely that it was all in one human pelt. And they were (gasps) able to sew it back onto his body before his funeral. No! Holy crap, are you kidding me? Oh my God. Oh my God, I can't imagine. This is crazy remember when i was like yeah all the gruesome love that this is what okay anyway she then hung his skin from a meat hook in the hallway no no i'm not laughing because it's funny i'm laughing because it's crazy that's the craziest thing i've ever heard okay anyway her next step was decapitation she skillfully removed John's head and then propped him up, like propped up his body with his left arm on a soft drink bottle and then crossed his legs. This lady's crazy. Alexa, this lady's crazy. She is crazy. <laughs> so Catherine had left a handwritten note on top of a photograph of John, blood stained and covered with small pieces of flesh. The note read, <laughs> Time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. You to Beck, who is Price's daughter, for Ross, for little John, who is his son. Now play with little John's dick, John Price. 
but all of these allegations were proved baseless. So I know she was trying to set up like a defense. Like, oh, I was doing it for the kids. Yeah, doing what, Kathy? You can't go that far and then try to use it as you're defending you and your kids. Yeah, you're That's slightly past self-defense. Yeah, just slightly. Like, you cannot cut his skin off. You're you about cannot- 36 stab wounds off, skinned and decapitated off of self-defense. Yeah. That's absolutely correct. No, no way in hell. Okay. So what happened to Kathy? How did they find his body? We're not even done. What the? No, are you kidding? (laughs) She then removed a few pieces of meat from his butt and placed them on a pan in her oven and placed his head in a large pot on the stove. (gasps) No, no. Catherine then peeled and prepared baked potatoes, pumpkins, beetroot, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy, which she added to the head pot to prepare a stew, and then also added the vegetables to the pan in the oven. Okay, so she's cooking this guy. This is the craziest case I've ever heard. This is the craziest case I've ever heard. This is real life? This is real life. Okay, so, okay, so she did she eat him? So she then prepared two plates of meat from, like, his butt meat, basically, and vegetables and placed them on the table with labels with the names of John's children. She was planning on serving his kids his body. His kids. You mean his kids. His not kids, her not kids? her kids. Correct. Okay, so, okay, she planned on doing that, and then... <laughs> Like in next. So when John's like when John didn't show up for work, his coworkers remembered what he said. Mm-hmm. So one of them went to his house and a concerned neighbor also joined the coworker. They tried knocking on the windows and doors, and then they noticed blood on the front door and called the police who arrived at 8 a.m. Police mm-hmm. broke down the door and found Catherine unconscious after having taken a combination of various pills. Mm. They found John's skin hanging from a hook and his decapitated body, and they found his head still in the pot, which was still warm. I'm speechless. And I saw a video where one of the cops was describing, like, what going into this crime scene. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I saw something, what I thought was like a curtain hanging from the, you know, hallway. So he like Mm-mm. moved it to the side and he's like, and it was cold. And then I noticed that it was a human skin hanging. Oh my God. Ugh, I just got the cold chill so bad. That was crazy. Okay. So he just like moved it to the, he was just trying to move it out of the way to get he down. He just the thought it was like a blanket or something. Like he Ew. obviously, your first thought is not that it's a human. Oh my God. God, (laughs) it's like trying to scoot it away and it's a real person's body. It's not even their body. It's just their loose skin. Correct. And you're like, who the heck did this? This asleep lady on the floor? Exactly. So then they talked to Catherine and she claims to have no recollection of the murder and very little memory of the time leading up to the murder. She claims that she remembers nothing after watching TV that night. I am tired of Kathy. 
Like she has got to go. Like, you're just going to lie about the whole thing. Well, I mean, I don't know what I expect her to do. Just like tell them everything, but still at the same time, like, are you okay? Whatever. So she was charged with this murder and initially pled not guilty, but later changed her plea to guilty. Okay. The judge was like, do you know what this means? Like ordered a like psychiatric evaluation to make sure she like understood the repercussions of her pleading guilty. Right. And the psychiatrists all like, I think three different ones diagnosed her with borderline personality disorder, but they all said that has nothing to do with her murdering this man. Right. Like they're like, yeah, she had this disorder, but the reason why she killed him and did all these things was because of her personality. It has nothing to do with her disorder. It's just who she is. Right. Yeah. So she was the first woman in Australian history to be sentenced to life in prison without parole. And I'm guessing they don't have the death penalty there or she would have been a prime candidate. But the very first one to get life without parole. And she is still alive, serving out her life sentence. And she is like the highest level of, you know, dangerous offender. But she's known in the prison as the Nana. I wonder why. She's never been violent in prison. She is actually known to kind of mediate issues between other inmates where like to help them solve their problems so that they don't get time added or fights don't break out. And she never does this threateningly. She does it and helps them just talk through all of their issues. What? She enjoys arts and crafts and knitting. (laughs) No, she doesn't. She does. Oh my gosh. And she, okay. And she spends her days from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. making headphones. She is not allowed to have like have access to knives, rightfully so. And she is not allowed to have a cellmate for fear that she will kill her cellmate. Yeah. Great. Cool. Amazing. Those are all great rules. So she's still alive. She is still alive. And I just say- thriving in prison. Just thriving. Yeah. Her life is great in prison. It sounds like she's living her best life. So as the Nana. So we have to tra- uh, plan a field trip to Australia then to visit Kathy. Can it? Can she have visitors? I'm pretty sure she can have visitors, but none of her family or friends have ever come to visit her. They've basically disowned her. Nobody wants anything to do with her. And I mean, rightfully so. I right. Mean, yeah. Imagine this being your mother. I mean, or your twin, your twin that you share DNA with. Yeah, no. Or no, all of her exes being like, wow, I knew she was crazy, but not know she was that crazy. Honestly, her exes were probably like, thank God it wasn't me who ended up in the soup. Exactly. Like all of those guys were probably like, what? Like, thank God I got out when I did. Or maybe they're like, well, why didn't I leave her sooner? Like, that's crazy. Like I had a child, like this is the mother of my child. Yes. She was a chronic get pregnant and whatever, whatever you call those people. (laughs) She was chronically pregnant. Yes. she. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy though. Yeah. No. And the fact that she had custody of all those kids up until this moment. Right. Right. Yeah. Those men were probably felt stupid after that. Like I left my kids in the hands of this lady who's making stew out of her 
man. And I didn't find any account that she was like abusive to her kids or anything. I'm not saying she was like a good mom by any means, but from all of my research, I did not see anything about her being abusive to them, just to her like spouses. Yeah. Well, she did lay her first kid on the train track. Yeah. I mean, so. aside from that incident. So. <laughs> I still can't get over that. Like, I thought that that was going to be like, I thought that her first husband and kid were going to be the end of the story. You know what I mean? But no. Yeah. So this story is definitely like, wow, this is crazy. I can't believe this happened. Wow. That was crazy. I can't believe that happened. Wow. (laughs) It just keeps going. When you think you're, you're literally like, Okay, so she skinned him. So, like, what happened to her? And I'm like, just you wait, sweet Tori. Yeah, no. We're not I, done. I really thought that she, because that was crazy. The fact that she skinned his whole body. And, like, that's, um. well, at least she didn't eat him at, at the very least. So, they she did didn't. find a third plate of, like, food thrown out in the backyard. So, they speculate that she tasted it didn't like it and just tossed it in the backyard. But because she claims to not remember anything, they can't substantiate that. Oh, and also his, I feel like I did not say this, but it was kind of insinuated to clarify his kids did not come home because they were at a friend's house. And so they did not eat their dad. Okay, great. That is good to know. But imagine even knowing that that was like the plan. I was about to say, like, I can't imagine finding out that my mom or like stepmom situation was about to feed me meat that came from my dad's butt cheek. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. Never in my life have I heard something so crazy. I was honestly genuinely scared. Like while you were telling the story, like I was like on the edge of my seat. And then also like whenever we were talking about the dead body and the soup and everything like that. No, what really got me was the skin hanging from the ceiling, like a curtain. And the fact like, I'm like, just imagine being the police officer finding that scene. That's what I'm doing. That's why (laughs) I'm imagining being this guy touching it and like moving it out of the way. And it just feels so creepy And it makes me want to cringe so bad. Okay. Ignore me. Do you have any other last thoughts or comments? Besides the fact that Kathy is crazy. No. Like, are you kidding me? Like, no. Uh Uh-uh. Okay. The, The fact that it went on this long, the fact that she was just free to go out of Elmo's hospital or whatever, whenever she was like, nope, not depressed. I'm fine. I'm leaving. She should not have been able to go anywhere, leaving her kid on the train track and then cutting the lady's eye and all of this. Like, no, holding the kid hostage in the bathroom, that should have ended with that. Because now I blame Australia Police Department (laughs) for not taking her in sooner. I mean, yeah. And for the gas station hostage whole situation, she was only in jail from like May to August. Yeah, no, that's so not that's not very long. Mm-mm. Not long enough. Not long enough. That is for sure. Which I mean, what like whatever. Yeah, no, I guess I have no final thoughts. 
All right. Well, I will post crime scene photos and other photos on our Instagram at Murder in the Mountains. Um, so look at those at your own risk because they will be gruesome. I don't have any of skin hanging or decapitation or anything like that, but it is like a bloody scene. Um, you get to see what Catherine looks like and kind of put a face to everything. So I feel like that helps. Feel free to comment your thoughts on the case because we'll sh- uh, I'm sure that you'll have them uh, because it's wild. And leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and check out Tori's podcast. That was too good, <laughs> which is also available on all platforms. And come back on Tuesday for another episode of Murder in the Mountains. See ya. See ya.